Praise the Lord, everyone. Amen. Why don't we just offer up some praise unto Jesus right now. Clap your hands. Let's lift up our voices. Hallelujah. Lord, we've come to magnify you, to lift you on high this evening. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Amen. It is such an honor for us to be here in the Connecticut district. And uh, I want to thank uh, my friend, Brother Greeley, and his team for having us. It is uh, truly an honor, and I honor them for everything that they do for their district. And of course, Bishop Hansen, amen. Let's give a hand clap to this team. I've watched them from afar, and, and I know that they serve in excellence. I know that they serve with a spirit of excellence, and I give honor to your district superintendent, Bishop Hansen, and love and appreciate him. And glad to see some familiar faces tonight. It's great to see Brother Caleb and his family. Amen. Known them uh, for many years, and if you pay me enough money, I could tell you some wonderfully embarrassing stories about him. Amen. It's great to see Brother and Sister Ford, my friends. God bless them. And of course, it's always great to have my wife uh, with me, traveling with me today, and my children. Amen. Amen. I honor them tonight. And we're going to turn in the word of the Lord to the book of 2 Kings. The book of 2 Kings, chapter 2. Amen. And I see that wonderful team has, has brought that on the screen for us, and I, I think it's called for to uh, give some special honor to all of our sound and media techs during this time, and amen, they have been absolute superstars. We thank them for all that they do. Praise God. Second Kings chapter 2, starting at, at verse 1, it says, and it came to pass when the Lord would take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind, that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal, and Elijah said unto Elisha, Tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord hath sent me to Bethel. And Elisha said unto him, As the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So they went down to Bethel, and the sons of the prophets that were at Bethel came forth to Elisha and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Lord will take away thy master from thy head today? And he said, Yea, I know it. Hold ye your peace. And Elijah said unto him, Elijah, tarry here. I pray thee, for the Lord hath sent me to Jericho. And he said, As the Lord liveth and as I so liveth, I will not leave thee. So they came to Jericho. Once again, watch this, and the sons of the prophets that were at Jericho came to Elisha and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Lord will take away thy master from thy head today? And he answered, See, I, I, I know it. Hold your peace. And Elijah said unto him, Terry, I pray thee here, for the Lord hath sent me to Jordan. And he said, As the Lord liveth and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. And they too went on. I want to read one more verse. Verse 7, and it says, And fifty men 
of the sons of the prophets went and stood to view afar off. And they stood by Jordan. I want to preach with the help of the Holy Ghost from this subject for a little while this evening where some only watch. Where some only watch. Once again, can you lift your hands up to heaven? Call on the name of the Lord. Young people, college students, I want to challenge you. Lift your hands right now. Begin to talk to Jesus. The only way you receive from God the things that He desires to pour into your life is by your personal response. In the name of Jesus, Lord, we honor you and we give you glory tonight. Lord, we pray, Father, that your Spirit would change someone's life, that it would alter their course, their direction, their destiny. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, let your Spirit come into this place. Hallelujah, in the name of the Lord. In the name of the Lord, begin to clap your hands right now. Praise God, praise God. You may be seated. Where some only watch. I'm reminded of a story I heard years ago about a, a young boy who loved the sport of baseball. It was his passion, and he was in Little League, and he had one goal all year. He really didn't care whether his team won all of the games or made it to the championship. The only thing he really cared about was hitting a home run. He, he had this thought in his mind, this desire, and he just knew that it was his desire to hit that home run, and he knew everyone would cheer him on and everyone would love him. And so he would sit in his bedroom, and he would dream. He would close his eyes, and he would think about that moment, how great it would feel to feel the crack of the bat and to watch that ball sail over the fence and to listen to his friends and his family cheer him on. And he dreamed about it so much so that he would go to practice. And, his, and while the rest of his team was running drills and, and sprinting, he would sit. And he would dream about what that moment was going to be like. And his coach would say, all right, it's time to get up. You, you need to practice your swing. And, and, and you need to let us see how you're going to do. He says, no, because I just know it, that when the time comes, it's going to happen for me. Because I've dreamed about it. But because I know it's my destiny. And while his friends practice and sweat and toiled, he sat and he dreamed all the way until the game that would take them into the playoffs. He had not hit the home run that he dreamed about, but he knew that this was going to be the game, that he would bring his team to championship glory. And he came up to bat, and it was the perfect situation. Bases were loaded. Two outs. And he knew that if he hit this home run, his team was going to win. And the ball came towards him, and and he swung the bat, and it was strike one. And he thought, well, that's okay. I've got two more. And the ball came at him again, and he swung strike two. And while everybody else got nervous, a smile came across this young man's face. He said, this is my moment. 
This is what I've dreamed about. It's what I've envisioned. I've dreamed it. I've desired it so long, so hard. I know it's going to happen for me. And so the pitcher wound up, and this young man grabbed the bat as hard as he could. And he knew it was about to happen. The ball was thrown. Reared back, he closed his eyes with everything he had. He swung the bat. With his eyes closed, he waited to hear the cheer of the crowd, the roar of his family, because he didn't even have to look. He knew it was going to happen. And he heard nothing. He opened his eyes and realized that he missed once again. Strike three. His team lost. He let everybody down. He walked away and he wasn't so much upset as much as he was confused. And his coach came to him and said, I know you have to be disappointed. He said, you know, really I'm not disappointed. I, I just, I don't understand. Well, what's, what's to understand? He said, coach, I, I wanted it so badly. I dreamed of this moment. I knew this was my destiny. His coach said, you see, that's the problem, son. All you ever did was dream. All you ever did was desire, but you forgot that desire doesn't get you to your destination. But it's practice. It's hard work. You train for the moment that it will happen in your life. And I can imagine that Elisha felt very similar. You see, he had heard his whole life about this man named Elijah. You, you know the preacher I'm talking about. We're not talking the average preacher that you see them and you say, Hey, how you doing, elder? How you doing, pastor? It's great to see you and God bless you. I'm talking about the preacher that when you hear they're coming to your district, when you hear they're coming to your church, it feels like life is standing still. And no matter what's going on in your life, you've got to cancel it because the preacher's coming to town and wherever he is, wherever he shows up, something happens. So imagine Elisha when he's on his family farm and he looks over his shoulder and he sees the figure of the man named Elijah walking his way with that famous mantle laying on his shoulders. And then as he walks past Elisha, Elijah simply takes off that mantle and he casts it onto Elisha continue to walk. This is the moment. I thought I was destined to be a farmer. I, I thought I was just meant to be something ordinary until the man of God came into my life and he cast a mantle. And that one moment changed his destiny forever. And understand that I know what it's like as an apostolic young person growing up in the church that we convince ourselves that we're average and that we're ordinary just like Elisha. I'm just another young person. I'm just someone who works on the farm. But all it takes is for one moment for God to come into your life. All it takes is a moment for God to stretch out His hand and He can change your destiny forever. I want somebody to know that this generation of apostolic young people are called to do greater than works that have ever been done before. They're called to preach the greatest messages. They're called to see the greatest harvest in revival. I would to God that I had P7 Bible Club when I was your age. I would to God that there were CMI campuses. There's young people that are walking into their schools and doing more than I dreamed that I could ever do. 
We live in a generation of absolute destiny. It's been preached and prophesied that as this wraps up and as the Lord's return comes closer and closer, that God is going to raise up a generation that will do more than anyone else has ever done before. So imagine Elisha. What would you do if Elijah took that mantle and cast it upon you? Let's just be honest for a minute. We'd probably do what Elisha did. Because the Bible says after that mantle was cast on him, he went and held a party. He got all of his friends together. And he said, hey, guys, you'll never, you'll never guess what happened to me today. I just want you to know I, 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 can't, I can't plow the fields anymore. I, I can't do all of those things. And he's just baiting people. He's, he's wanting them to ask why. And you know those people that they tell you, well, you know, I, I got uh, somewhere else I got to be. And finally somebody says, okay, Elisha, what is it? Well, I'm glad you asked. You see, Elijah came to see me, and he wants me to follow him now. Hey, see, I, I'm going to be the protege of Elijah. Yes, yeah, right. All the miracles that you've heard about, I'm going to get a see with my own two eyes. All, all of just the majestic works that he does, I'm going to be able to take record of them. I'm going to be the guy right beside Elijah. And so his life changes forever, but we see throughout the Scripture how his spirit begins to shift. Uh, no longer is he worried about the fame and the fortune of who he's following and, and perhaps who he's called to be at this juncture, but now he's hanging on every word that Elijah has to say because he's, he's seen beyond the myth. And he has seen the anointing of the man of God that he's following. He recognizes that that anointing is not just for anybody. He's, he's, see, he saw that there was something special about Elijah. There was a walk that Elijah had with God that the average man didn't have. There was a sensitivity to Jehovah that Elijah had that other people didn't have. And that was the man that Elisha wanted to follow. That was the man that he began to model and pattern his life after him. I want to tell you that you need to be very careful the type of people you're looking at in your life. If, if this COVID situation has taught us anything, it should have taught us that sports stars aren't the people we ought to be looking at. That business leaders in this world aren't the ones that we need to be fashioning our lives after and saying, I want to be like this person and I want to be like that person. But young people, you need to find a man of God in your life. You need to cling to a pastor. You need to cling to a mentor, to a youth leader and say, I see something different about you. I see a walk with God. I see a relationship with God. And I want to begin to model my life after that. And that was the mentality that Elisha began to develop in his life. He followed this man, and imagine his shock when the day came that it was time for Elijah to leave him. <laughs> I can't even imagine everything that was going through Elisha's mind. But he walked with Elijah, and they would get to a certain point. And Elijah said, now you've followed me many places. You've watched me do many things. But where I'm about to go, I, I don't think you want to go. 
I don't think that you can handle what I'm about to experience. But Elisha called out. He said, no, I've got to go where you're going. You see, he learned the value of walking after the man of God in his life. He learned the value of staying close to the anointing. You see, there's a lot of people that want to step back and watch it from a distance and say, oh, I love it when that preacher gets up and he preaches that word. I love it when the worship team gets up and I feel the presence of the Holy Ghost. But I'm comfortable standing back and watching from afar. But Elisha said, Elijah, I won't allow you to go anywhere that I won't go. I don't care how difficult it gets. I want to model myself after the fashion of the walk that you've got. I'm reminded of what happened in the life of Joshua. You see, he followed Moses. He was the number two. But one day they came into the presence of the Lord as they were in the temple. They were in the tabernacle. The Bible says that the Spirit of God began to come into that place. It filled it. And then what ended up happening was that Moses said, All right, Joshua, I want you to come with me. We're going to go speak to the people. And I want you beside me. That's right, I want you on the platform with me. Everybody in the nation of Israel is going to see you close to me, but I want, I want you to see what Joshua does. The scripture says in that moment that he had a decision to make. He had to make the decision of being out in front of everybody, fulfilling what he thought he wanted and say, well, this is surely going to set me up. This is surely going to position me for where I want God to bring me, where I feel that God is leading me. But watch what he does. He says, Moses, I love you, and you know I, I followed you everywhere you went, but something is telling me that it's time for you to go out and speak to the people but let me just dwell here a little bit longer you see he began to recognize that our ways are not the ways of God where we begin to form and fashion when we recognize that God has destiny for our life we say well I know exactly how that's going to happen if I rub shoulders with this man or if I go to this place everything will happen oh if they ask me to sing at a back to school rally everything is going to fall in line but Joshua fell to his knees he said I've got a feeling inside of me that I am exactly where I need to be I'm staying close to the presence of God I want to challenge a young person I want to challenge a hyphen member I want to challenge an apostolic passionate young person you want to become what God wants you to be in your life the answer is to find that secret place with God say God I don't know how it's going to come together I don't know how it's going to happen for me. I don't have the bloodline. I don't have the name. But something tells me if I can stay close to the anointing that you've got in your tabernacle, in your house, that you will arrange everything else in my life. You see, I've been around enough people that want to position and want to maneuver themselves. And they want to treat God's people and God's kingdom like it's some kind of a game of chess. If I can just position the right pieces, then God will use me. God can't use me right here. But whenever my pastor begins to allow me to do a little bit more, then I'll allow God to move through me. <laughs> 
and yet you walk into a school building every week and, and, you, and you don't recognize why God has you there. You say, God, you're throwing me amongst the wolves. I'm the only one in my school. I can't even make it on my own. And I know what that feels like. I went to a public school. There was about 3,000 young people in that school. Two of us had the Holy Ghost. And they went to a never church. I, I, I never saw them. And I remember that feeling. I'm walking into my classroom with my head down. Oh, Lord, just don't ask me anything. Don't ask me about why I don't do this or why I do this. Oh, I just want to be like everybody else. But you see, we, when we have that mentality, we misunderstand why God has placed us there. You say, God, I want to be used for your glory. He says, here, here's an entire school that needs me. You want to be used to me? Why don't you just begin to open your mouth and your school say, Brother Thomas, you don't understand my school. You don't understand the spiritual atmosphere of my If you don't like the spiritual atmosphere of your school, why don't you just change it in the Holy Ghost? Why don't you go? How would to God there's an apostolic young person that rises up and says, you know what? It may not be favorable. It may not be conducive. But I'm going to walk in there and I'm going to allow the Holy Ghost to move through me. To impact somebody else's life. We had a young lady in our church. She came up to me and said, Brother Thomas, you, you don't understand. I'm not somebody that can start a P7 club. I said, I, you got to leave that to people who are extroverts. You got to leave that to people who are comfortable speaking. And I called her by name. I said, what are you passionate about? She said, well, I'm passionate about prayer. I said, great, start a prayer group at your school. You don't even have to preach to them. Just start a prayer group at your school. She said, can I do that? <laughs> I said, absolutely. And so she got a few friends together. She said, hey, I'm, just so you know, I'm going to pray in this teacher's room in between classes and during breaks. And, 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 and you know, I don't, I don't know. I mean, if, if maybe you want to, maybe you can join me. And they said, that sounds interesting. We'd love to do that. And before the end of that year, that young lady had bought three of her closest friends from her school to church. All three of them were filled with the Holy Ghost. All of them are baptized in the name of Jesus. I want you to know that God is positioning you exactly where he wants you to be. And rather than standing back and saying, God, why do you have me here? Say, God, use me in the situation that you have placed me in. I may be in a broken family, but God, you've called me into the kingdom for such a time as this. You can change the atmosphere of your family. You can change the destiny of young people in your school and on your college campus if you would just allow God to use your life. And Elisha begins to follow this man. He sees all of the miracles. Then he gets to that place where Elijah says, uh, well, you stay here. And he says, no, I'm going to go with you. And then he starts hearing the voice of those that are in the school of the prophets. Let's say, now you, you recognize what's happening, don't you? He says, you, you realize God is going to take your head from you. You know that, that God is going to take that man from your life. I love Elisha's response. He says, yeah, I know it. He says, hold your peace. In other words, he says, shut your mouth. I, I know what's happening. 
It's amazing. Whenever you begin to follow the plan of God for your life, there's always voices that come up, isn't there? <laughs> there was that man who called out, the blind man he called out, said, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And the crowd around him said, why don't you just quiet down? Stop making such a fool of yourself. Let's just be honest for a moment. Have you ever felt like a fool doing what God has asked you to do? I can remember being a teenager. The greatest pressure of my life was making a determination of if I was going to lift my hands in the church service or not. Because I felt like all these eyes were on me. And I felt that voice crying out to me and saying, what are you doing? Quiet down. Stop calling out to God. And let me tell you, I, I remember a situation. I was at, I was at a, a, a teaching, a training that was being done for my youth group. And this dear brother, he, he started talking about having victory. And he said, how many of you will want to experience victory routinely? I said, oh, well, of course, I, I was training up. And we're all excited. And we said, yeah, we're going to worship together. We're going to respond together. And he said, how about this? You know, uh, inspiration was flowing. He, he got a little trigger happy. He said, how about this? I got a great idea. How about any time you feel like God has given you the victory in a church service, why don't you just do this and show all of your other youth members you got the victory? And we said, not a chance. <laughs> we'll worship. We'll respond. We're not doing that. But you see, secretly, I had been struggling to break through in my worship. I was, ha I was struggling walking with God in that season of my life. And then I'll never forget, I was in a church service. And I was singing in the choir that day. And I felt the Holy Ghost begin to unction me and speak to me. He said, you want the victory? I'm like, oh, God, you know I want to break through. You know I want to break through. He said, why don't you just. I said, God, <laughs> I, I want the victory. I don't know if I want it that bad. But I cried out, I said, God, something has got to change in my life. Somebody, you know what I'm talking about. You get to that crossroad where you know that you're about to make a long-term decision. He said, God, you've got to do something in me. He said, why don't you just throw up that little sign for victory and you see what I do. And I wrestled and I wrestled. I said, God, I don't know if I could do this. And everybody's looking at me. And I'm on the platform and it just doesn't make sense. But the Holy Ghost said, I want you to walk. I want you to give me this and see what I do for your life. And so I noticed, Brother Ford, as my hand started to raise a little bit. And my mind is going, what are you doing? Everybody's going to laugh. Who knows the voice I'm talking about? Why don't don't you just quiet it down? Why don't you shut up? Nobody wants to hear from you. And my hand began to raise. And when it got about to my midsection, tears began to flow through my eyes. I felt some things beginning to break in my mind and in my spirit. And before I knew what had happened, my hand was up and I, I was doubled over, speaking in tongues, praying. And I kept my eyes closed because I thought, I, I, I don't even want to see what people are doing right now. But something broke in my spirit that day. And I began to worship God. I got the breakthrough I was looking for. And finally I had the courage to peek my eye open. You know what I'm talking about. When people are coming to pray for you at the altar. And you do that thing where you think you're a spy. And, and, you, and you think nobody knows what you're doing. Well that's what I started doing. 
and I peeked my head up, and then I watched as the entire service had been halted because there were young people slain in the spirit, young people running around worshiping, adults getting the victory, and all across the sanctuary people were doing this. And it was funny because when it happened, somebody said afterward, you were in the choir. I thought you were signaling for verse 2. But see, those young people knew. And because one did it, somebody else said, you know what? If he did it, maybe I can get the victory in my life. I want somebody to know that what you're wrestling with tonight, what you're fighting with, if you can find it in yourself to rise above it, you never know who you're going to carry to victory along with you. And I believe that it's the will of God for somebody to receive the victory in your life. But you got to be willing when that voice cries out and says, no, be quiet. The Bible says he shouted even louder. you got to learn to shout louder than that voice in your spirit that's telling you to stay quiet. Why? Because my need is too great. My desire is too great. Because I believe that there's a destiny that I'm trying to walk in in God. And the voice of those in the school of the prophets said, you recognize that you're going to lose him. He said, I know what God's doing. So they go a little bit further. And Elijah says, Elisha, this is as far as we go. I'm going to go further. He said, no, man of God, I've got to stay close to you. I, I, I can't leave your side. And they go a little bit further as those in the school of the prophets sat on a mountaintop and simply watched him. We can see close enough from here. And Elijah says, look, what do you want from me? He says, I want a double portion of your spirit. I want to be like you, man of God. See, he was no longer seeking the miraculous. He was no longer enamored by the mantle. But he said, I see what's in your spirit. I want the kind of spirit that you got. And twofold, he said, it's a hard thing. But I tell you what, if you keep by my side and you keep walking with me, you'll receive it. There's something that happens when you make a decision, a determination in your life that you're going to stay close to those that have the anointing operating in them. And yet the school of the prophets, they were comfortable. Sitting on top of the hill. Say, well, I don't know why he's got to follow him and, and be that close to that man. I can see where he's going and I'm going to be able to see everything from here. And there's so many people. I've been born and raised in this precious apostolic faith. And I've watched young people. I've watched hypheners that were comfortable standing afar off and watching the things of God. I'm talking people that felt a call of God on their life. People that knew God wanted to use them. People that had moments at the altar where they had breakthroughs, yet they got to a certain place to where they were just fine sitting back and watching everybody else. See, I'm reminded what happened to Peter when all of the other disciples abandoned Jesus and Jesus was on his march to Golgotha. And he got caught up at the fireside. We know the story where he denied Jesus three times, even cursing his very name. But the Bible points out something very particular. And it says that Peter stayed afar off. 
from Jesus. He followed him just enough to where he could see him, but not close enough to be associated with him. And there are young people that go to their church week in and week out, and they, and they, they show up because they can see what God is doing, and they see the miraculous. Yeah, even sometimes they're touched by the miraculous, but they want to walk just far enough away that nobody at their school can associate them with Jesus. But it was because he wandered far away. It's because he followed him from far away that he found himself to get in trouble. I want to tell you tonight that if you are walking afar off from Jesus, you may even be following him, but you're walking a little bit too far away from him, a little bit too close to the world. You better be careful because somebody's going to ask you who you are. I don't care how far away you walk from God. Somebody is going to ask you that question. Why don't you do what we do? Why don't you go to the places we go to? And if you're walking too far away from Jesus, you'll find yourself like Peter. Well, I'm far enough that Jesus can't hear me. I can still say I'm walking with him, but his voice won't be able to hear what's going on in my life. You need to hear me, apostolic young person, that when you walk far away from Jesus, you'll find yourself too far for him to reach out to you. You'll find yourself too far away from him to be impacted by him. And Jesus, yes, he wants to use you. And yes, You've got destiny in your life. Yes, you're called to do greater things than previous generations could ever dream of. But if you're walking too far away from him, you'll be too far. You'll be out of position. And Elisha realized that while people probably snickered and laughed at him as he began to walk close with Elijah, as he walked from island to island, place to place, and he looked up to the mountaintop, and he saw where everybody else was watching from. Thinking, why am I making a fool out of myself? I'm the only one that has gotten this close to Elijah. I'm the only one who's walked this close to him. Everybody else is seeing everything I'm seeing. My other youth members aren't nearly as passionate as me. I don't see them at the altar. I don't see them praying. I don't see them worshiping. And yet it seems like we're seeing all of the same stuff. But Elisha said, something in me is calling me. It's drawing me to stay close to Elijah. And finally, they got to the spot. And I bet Elisha began to wonder, okay, I'm here. You said if I want a double portion, that I got to stay close to you. And then suddenly, Elisha calls out. And he sees a chariot of fire beginning to come down. And it takes up Elijah. And he watches it go away. I can't imagine what was going through his mind in that moment as he, as he saw his mentor, this man of God, the one that he followed, suddenly disappear. Well, he told me if I follow him. He told me if I just stay close to him, that I'm going to get to see what I want to see and experience what I want to experience. But now I'm let down. He probably hesitated even to look over his shoulder at the mountaintop with all of those that were watching, with all of those that thought, yeah, I thought it was pretty foolish for him to watch. And wow, we saw the chariot just like him. We, we, we saw the horsemen. We got to see everything Elisha saw. And Elisha sat there. Why did I go farther than everybody else? And I want to talk to a young person. You will have moments like that. 
I'm praying in ways that other young people aren't praying. I'm trying to start that P7 Bible club. I'm studying my scripture and senior Bible quizzing, and nobody else is doing it. And yet we, I, I feel like we're on the same level. I feel like I'm going through the same things as them. I feel like we're seeing all of the same things. God, why am I walking closer and closer to you more than anybody else? I'm making dedications and decisions that no other young person is making, and yet they're seeing exactly what I'm seeing. You'll have moments like that. But I, but I imagine as he had that moment and he's looking up at the sky thinking, God, why are you allowing me to be singled out? They're watching me. I, 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 I could have stayed up there where everybody else is watching, but I decided to walk with Elijah a little bit closer and then nothing else is happening to me. But as those thoughts begin to go through his mind, I wonder what it felt like as maybe he began to wonder, what's that cloud moving for? Something is a little bit different from where I'm standing. And then he began to see the mantle of Elijah slowly descend down towards him. And then suddenly he was able to reach out and grab that mantle. But somebody hear me, he wouldn't have been able to take hold of it. Because why? That walking was not just wandering. But that walking that he did where everybody else was just watching. That walking he did was getting him into position for the mantle that was going to fall on his life. And I know you feel different. I know you feel isolated. I know that you don't feel like everybody else. But that's because an uncommon walk is what's required to breed an uncommon anointing on your life. And if you keep on walking, if you keep on pursuing God, you see, young man, you know what I'm talking about. And you hear that voice that calls out to you in your church service and says, I know you feel isolated. Why don't you just be like everybody else? You feel different, don't you? But that's because your walk is positioning you for the mantle of anointing to begin to fall on my life. There's an anointing that begins to fall on an apostolic young person that will walk an uncommon walk. And many want to walk in the anointing, but they stay in that dimension where all they're doing is watching it all happen. If I just watch it enough, I'll learn from afar. I'll be able to know what to say as a preacher and what to do as a preacher. And yet there are young people here today that you are pursuing God and you're walking with Him during the day when nobody else understands. And you say, God, I want to be used by you. Understand that there's a mantle that's going to fall on your life because of your dedication Make no mistake, it's not because of who you are. It's not because of who your family is. It's not because of anything that you could ever do other than the fact that you are walking consistently with God. And those are the ones that God looks at. And says that's where the mantle's going to fall. You see, you're not wandering. You're getting into position for what God is calling you to do and for what God is calling you to be. And I love what the story says as that mantle fell. You see, that was the mantle that was cast on his shoulders. That was the mantle that everybody talked about. It was the mantle that did the miracles. And now it's in his possession. And the man of God is gone. 
But you see, whenever they came to that island, Elijah, before he ascended, has taken his mantle and he smote the water and it parted and they went back through. And then when Elijah was gone, now Elijah, he's faced with that same water. But I love what he said in his spirit. The Bible says he took the mantle of Elijah. Somebody watch this. He took the same mantle that Elijah had. Young person, you've got to take the same doctrine, the same gospel, the same principles. Yes, we're called to do more with it. Yes, we honor the generation behind us when we do greater in the kingdom than they did. But we're not going to do greater because of who we are. We're not going to do more for the kingdom because we're better or our methods are better. But it's going to be because we grab a hold of the same mantle. And Elisha took that mantle. He said, where is the God of Elijah? And he smote it the way he saw it smoke before and the water parted. I got to imagine that a confidence came over him because he said the same God that was with Elijah is the same God that's going to be with me. But watch what happens. All of those people that did nothing but watch. All of those that nudged and laughed at Elisha. Look what that fool's doing. He could have been up here with us. He could have been like everybody else. But suddenly, when they saw the mantle descend upon him, suddenly when they saw him smite the water and he came across, the Bible says that 50 of them gathered around and said, you just tell us what to do, prophet. You see, they thought that by standing afar off, they could achieve everything that Elisha was wanting to achieve. And they laughed at him, and they scorned him, and they treated him like he was a nobody until the moment the mantle came on him. I know what it's like, young person, to have people laugh at you because you've told them that there's certain ways you don't talk. I, I, I remember what it was like when I walked around in, in, in church settings as a young adult and people called me pastor to make fun of me because I would call them out on their dirty jokes and I would call them out on their foul mouth. And whenever I came around, they say, watch out, here comes pastor. But something was placed in me, Brother Ford. I had a pastor, a man of God, that said, you just keep walking close to Jesus. You stick close when nobody else understands. And those same ones who mocked and made fun are the same ones who were messaging me privately on social media, saying my life has fallen apart. My marriage has fallen apart. I don't even, I don't even think I believe in God, but, but can you please pray for me? Why? Because when you walk an uncommon walk, an uncommon anointing, begins to come on your life. And I believe it's the will of God right now for somebody to rise to your feet and say, I'm no longer satisfied sitting on a mountain watching the things of God from afar up. I'm no longer satisfied being like everybody else in my youth group. I'm no longer satisfied just being another face in the crowd. But I want the anointing of the Holy Ghost to come onto my life. I desire that anointing that my pastor's got. I desire for God to use me. Having the desire isn't enough, but there needs to be an uncommonness in who you are in your lifestyle. I, I wonder if we can stand to our feet right now. See, I feel the power of the Holy Ghost beginning to move in this place. I can see it on some of your faces that you came in here side-eyeing everybody in the room wondering what they were thinking. Yes, 
wondering what they were going to say about you today. But as the word of God has begun to come forth, God's beginning to draw you out. God's beginning to single you out. And you've got to have the attitude of Elisha that says where others are only going to watch, I've made a decision that I'm going to walk. I'm going to follow. I'm going to go further than other people are willing to go. I'm going to walk more than other people are willing to walk. And it was those that walked the closest to Jesus that got to see the most miraculous of his ministry. Young people, you'd better find somebody that you're clinging to. You better go to your youth pastor. You better go to your pastor and say, Pastor, please teach me. Show me the ways of God. Show me how to have a prayer life. I want the anointing in my life, but I know it's not going to happen just because I desire it. Show me how to have that kind of walk. Teach me to love God like you love Him. And you can't achieve that by being like everybody else. Because the masses are comfortable just sitting back on a mountaintop and watching it all transpire. Close enough to see it, but far enough away to not have to change their lifestyle. But I believe that there's young people here tonight. There's college students. And I feel it in the Holy Ghost. God's called some of you to start a CMI campus and to start a P7 Bible club. But you said, if I do that, everyone will know that I'm different. And you've cried out to God and said, God, why do I have to be the only one at my school? If I just had somebody else, it'd be easier. Could it be that you're the only one because you have yet to open your mouth and tell somebody else? Because if you tell that friend, their life is broken and they're hurting, struggling with suicidal thoughts. But if you tell them about the hope that they can have with Jesus, if you tell them what it's like to walk with Him, maybe, just maybe, you won't be the only one anymore. I want you to begin to lift your hand right now. I see the Holy Ghost coming over a young person right there where you're standing. I know we're observing social distancing, and that's just fine. God can move on you right there where you're at if you will just begin to lift up your hands. Your youth pastor can't decide for you. Your pastor can't decide for you. But you can make a determination to have an Elisha spirit right now. And say, God, I want you in my life. I want you in my life. Just begin to raise your hands right now, young people. Say, God, if you can use anybody, please use me. Well, that's okay. Just begin to lift your hands. I see the Holy Ghost moving on somebody right now. You're beginning to take those shackles off that other people have put around you. When Peter was delivered in the book of Acts from the jail, he said, and now I know for a surety that God hath delivered me from the expectation of his people. Some of you, you're not shackled by 
by horrible sin. You're shackled by what everybody around you thinks about you. And God wants to lift that expectation. Come on, there's a mantle to be had. There's a ministry to walk in. There's a destiny for your life. Just begin to lift your hands and say, God, use me. God, I want it. I don't know if the person beside me wants it, but I want it for myself. And I'm willing to walk. I'm willing to walk where some are just going to watch. God, let me have that spirit. God, let it be me. If nobody else will, let it be me. I'll walk where nobody else will walk. I want the anointing. I want the call. I want to be used for your glory. I'll keep interceding until it comes. More than the revival, I will keep praying. I will keep fasting until it comes. Send it to every nation. I'll keep Keep interceding until so pour it out, pour it out, God. Pour it out, God. Yes, we're ready. We're ready. Pour it out, Jesus. Pour it out, God. Pour it out, God. We're ready.
I will keep fasting. 